Welcome back to Chin Music, our baseball show at TalkDork.com. The lineup today, Roy Smalley, former twin star, current twins broadcaster, Lavelle Neal, Star Tribune columnist. I'm Jim Suhan, also from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton's our producer. Best way to listen to this show or any show you like at TalkDork.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We do appreciate it. We're going to talk a lot about the outfield, the outfield dynamics, the outfield possibilities here with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, we want to thank Aquarius Home Services Studios. We want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Shepherd Goods and Lamb Chops Clothing Line and TSR Injury Law. So let's get to it. Buxton played center field and they added another center fielder. Uh, I think Roycey wrote it earlier this week. If Buxton's healthy, watch out. This team could really be something. Uh, Roy, how do you like the, the outfield setup right now? And what who do you expect to contribute a lot uh, as in the starting and reserve roles? Well, just, you know, it's what we said, um, you know, you heard it first here before you heard it from uh, Patrick. I mean, Buxton's everything. And if he plays 120 or 130 games, look out for this club. There's no question that that statement is is true. We've been making that for a while. I really like this uh, Margot uh, deal a lot. Uh, twins were decidedly left-handed in the outfield. Uh, this guy's a solid big league player. This is not one of those... Oh my gosh. I mean, this is not Bryce Harper. I mean, this is not an earth shaking deal. It's just another one of the Falby Levine, very solid moves to address a need uh, that they have, which is another right handed hitter that can play the outfield well. Uh, they're, they're, you know, Kepler and uh, I mean, their outfield is uh, with, especially if Buck doesn't play, uh, their outfield is left handed and, and left field and, and right field was. Um, Kepler Walner. So don't know how those guys are going to do against left-handed pitching. Margot's good uh, against left-handed pitching. He's, he's a, he's a uh, solid, solid player. I think it just gives them, uh, it, it gives them another right-handed bat. That's a big league uh, right-handed bat that, that is a, uh, a very solid move. So I think they're just, they're just shoring up uh, potential weak spots and adding, uh, some real flexibility, and I think that's always a good thing. Yeah, I I agree. I, I thought it was kind of interesting how the transaction went down because uh, the Dodgers were able to bring back Kike Hernandez for $4 million, and I believe that based on the money that the Dodgers are sending to the Twins, the Twins are just going to be on the hook for $4 million for Margot. So I'm wondering if uh, the Twins offer Kike the same contract as the Dodgers, and he just decided to pick the Dodgers. And then the Dodgers spun Margo off as a, as an aftershot. So uh, I thought that was interesting how that all came together. Um, but Margo gives him, um, I know his uh, defensive numbers slipped a little bit last year, but he's still a good defensive player. And uh, he, he's never, he's never achieved the offensive potential that people thought he had when he broke into the league. Um, but he still is going to be functional coming off the, off the bench. Um, he'll hit, he'll make more contact than, Michael A. Taylor. Uh, don't know if he'll hit as many home runs as Michael A. Taylor. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, I like Michael. I hope he finds a job somewhere. He wanted a, a multi-year contract. And I don't think the Twins are interested in signing him for that. So this kind of pushed him in the direction of looking at someone like Margot um, as well. So um, I think I think it helps out everyone. You know, he can definitely go into center field and play for Buck. One of the corner outfield spots if needed. Um probably won't be a high priority with that but um yeah the twins uh you know the one thing that the, the twins 
excelled in last year was upgrading the bottom part of the roster when they had like a Cal Farmer, they had a Michael Taylor. And, you know, I think that kind of follows in the footsteps uh, with this acquisition. Yeah, and the the way they put together the entire roster last year, partly spurred by the fact that Buxton showed up with knee pain in spring training, saved their season. It kept them afloat until they got, you know, Royce Lewis and Julian and Walner going. And, uh, and they're doing kind of this. Now, they might have the best of both worlds this year. They might have Buxton in center field and excellent depth uh, with Castro and Margo and everybody else. I'm going to ask one of those unanswerable questions that's fun to kick around in this kind of a format. Of course, we don't know the answer, but I'm interested in your your thoughts on what the answer might be. What's a realistic yet optimistic number of games for Buxton to play in center field this year? Let's start with Lavelle this time. Ooh, uh, we're going to go there. Okay. Um, realistic? Well, I think everybody wants to see him play 120 games. I'm going to be more like 95 to 100. Um just because uh, just going on past history with him, um, he can't stay healthy for a whole season. It's not his fault. I mean, there've been a couple of soft tissue injuries. Yeah. But a lot of his injuries through the years have been because of blunt force trauma <laughs> from running into things, sliding into things or being hit with things. You know, it, it's just how he rolls, man. I don't know. All of a sudden, is that going to, is that going to stop this year? Um, so my guess is if he, if he can get close to a hundred games. I think that's a plus. Uh, for for everyone, um, it'd be great if you could play 135 games because I think he'll 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 push 40 home runs and uh, you know 100 RBI. And he in his mind he still thinks he can steal bases. Uh, but you know I'm going down to spring training on Monday. I'm going to have a discussion with him to remind him that he doesn't get on first base enough to steal because uh, he either when he touches the ball it's a double, triple, or homer, and he doesn't walk a lot. So stop saying you're going to steal 30 bases, but because I don't know if it's realistic. Anyway, um, I think uh, I think he can get close to 100, a little bit over 100. I'm setting the bar low here. Um, if he has a healthier season than what I'm expecting, then it's a boost for the Twins, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to be a little more um, optimistic uh, about realism, uh, Lavelle. I, um, hmm. I think at some point in time, the worm's going to turn. I just don't I don't see him injured every year for the rest of his baseball life. And at some point in time, I, I just think it's it, the percentages are going to catch up and he's going to play. Uh, I'm hoping it's this year. I'm going to say realistically 115 games in, in, in center field and a bunch more as the DH uh, just to give him some, uh, some time off, but keep his bat in the lineup. And uh, you know, with what they've done, and as you say, in the bottom part of the lineup here, um, they have the they will have the luxury of doing that of of rep, quote resting him as a DH periodically. So I would say 115 games realistically in center field, uh, meaning 135 or 40 um, day in day out. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say my optimistic view is that he plays 130 games in center. Wow! Uh, if if that happens. As well, as we've said, as everybody said, if that happens, watch out. I'm going to be a little more pessimistic about pure games played. I'm going to say 90 um, because my guess is if he has any soreness at all, anything approaching, even not an injury, but even anything indicating that he might be wearing down, they will get him off the field. They might even give him a break at some point this year. So I'm going to say 90 games to center field, maybe 40 at DH. 
with maybe one stay on the, the injured list and some regular built-in days off. Um, and here's, here's the other aspect of this. If playing in center field regularly helps him relax and helps him adapt to his DH days, then the offensive numbers could, could go absolutely bonkers. Yep. I'm willing to toss in 20 bats as a DH, 20 games as a DH on top of my 90 to 100 prediction. So, um, well, if if that's all, if in my opinion, if that's all he plays, then it, it it's not it's not the uh, Twins team excitement that we're starting to uh, generate within the lineup. I just think at some point in time, he he's got to he's got to he's got to play. He's going to be on the field one way or the other for 135 or 40 games. So. And if he's not, then it's just going to be okay. And, of course, there's precedent for a player being labeled injury-prone early in his career and later in his career becoming, uh, you know, a 150- to 160-game player, and that's Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor, different position. Paul played a little center field, but different positions, different kinds of players, but both quick-twitch guys with Hall of Fame talent. And Molitor had all kinds of trouble staying on the field early in his career. And then the, as Roy said, you know, the flip did switch. The switch did flip and all of a sudden he became very durable. So it can happen. You know, if that knee really is cleaned up, I mean, he could play as many games as you guys hope. Yeah, it was pretty remarkable. Uh, Molitor's second half of his career was better than his first half. Um, and I mean, Roy just touches on something that's interesting because generally I think athletes age better uh, in baseball. I keep thinking of how Torrey Hunter was able to play, yeah. you know, in his late thirties, pushing 40, you know, and if Buxton, you know, reaches that zone where he ages well and, and puts all these injuries behind him, then he can have a heck of a second half of a career. So um, I, it's definitely possible with him just because, uh, you know, he can, he's in, he, he, there is a, there is a possibility of him being able to age well and, that will, uh, you know, increase his longevity and help his numbers. Well, the other thing is that, and Jim alluded to it a little bit, but I'll, I'll amplify uh, to some degree. Uh, the more he plays and the better he's played, you know, if he's out there in center field and the stroke gets rolling and the, and the twins are, win are winning, um, he's going to stay on the field. I mean, that his personality is such that, you know, he'll take a day off here and there if he's, if the knee feels a little tired or, or, or you know, or just because it, they should give him, you know, a, a day off uh, completely every two weeks or three or whatever it is. But if his knee is cleaned up and he's, uh, he's playing up to his capability, he is not going to want to come out of the lineup. No, you're right. I think, I, I think he really, and here's the other interesting aspect of all this, you know, I, when players get, labeled as injury prone, uh, whether you're talking about, you know, Molitor back in the day or Royce Lewis or, 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 you know, Buxton, I mean, they, they are greatly motivated to prove that they are not injury prone, that the injuries were just something that happened. Uh, True. So, so I could really see Buxton wanting to make a point if he's feeling good. Yep, I think I he feels see. really responsible uh, uh, to this club. Yeah. And I'm talking about to, not only to the, you know, to to uh, earn the money that he's uh, the considerable money he's making, but I think uh, to his to his teammates, I, I think it I think it bothers the hell out of him when he's not playing, uh, mainly mainly because of how he feels 
about his teammates and how he wants his teammates to feel about him. And he knows that they look to him. He's the, he is absolutely the, you know, what is it, the, the straw that stirs the drink up, stupid line. But I mean, he's the guy <laughs> and he knows he's the guy and he doesn't feel good when he isn't the guy. And so I, I just think it's, you know, there could be a, a coalescing of, the, of, of events here at some point in time when he is healthy enough to play a lot of games. And the more he plays, the more excited he gets and the better he gets and the better team he gets. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, the scary thing is that um, Buxton and Correa, I think, combined for like 1.2 war or something like that. And the Twins still won the division. So as a pair, if those guys are on the field more and are feeling healthy, it's definitely a watch out moment. Yeah, you made no that, doubt. I you want made to get that more. point last week too. You, you made that point last week too, Lavelle. I thought it was great. I mean, that was it's kind of it's kind of head slapping. It's like what? That's all those two guys that all they contributed. I mean, they're that's an aberration of major proportion. I mean, that's just not going to happen again. I don't think. Two point two. No. Sorry, not one point two. Two point two. Yeah, but if Correa hits the way to his career standard and Buxton plays. Uh, I mean, everything improves. Every, they they yeah, just become a much more dynamic team. Yep. All right, let's get one other question I have for you guys on Correa and Buxton. But first, I want to let you know that we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Scott for Aquarius, wishing you a happy new year. And happy, how can we be only halfway through winter? Want some good news? Now is the time to replace your old furnace and AC with a new high-efficiency whole home heating and cooling system. Because at Aquarius, you can install it now and not pay a penny until next year. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com and schedule your free estimate today. Financing offers subject to available credit. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Also, another deal through the network, uh, thanks to the John Krasinski Show, Shepherd Goods and Lamb Chops clothing line. Highly recommend. John wears his stuff all the time. You see their stuff courtside at Target Center, like I was there on Wednesday night, all the time. Go to Shepherd Goods and Lamb Chops clothing line. Use the promo code JOHNK20, J-O-N-K-20, to get 20% off. One other Krasinski-related note, he's taking a trip uh, with Timberwolves fans to Spain this summer through Define Destinations. Go to definedestinations.com. Check out that trip or listen to the John Krasinski show to get more details on it. Sounds like it's going to be fabulous. Spain's beautiful. Uh, John would be a great guy to hang out with. Check that out as well. Let's start with Roy here. Uh, Correa basically has said publicly, I'm not stealing bases. I'm just not going to take the chance. Um, I don't think it's worth one base here every once in a while to take any chance of, you know, of, messing with my durability, my ability to play every day. Should Buxton take the same approach, Roy? You know, that's a that's a wild card for me. I, I absolutely think Correa's approach is the correct one. Um, I think for Buck, um, you know, I think there's two reasons for him not to steal 30 bases. One, Lavelle already uh, mentioned he's not on first base uh, nearly as much as everybody else does relative to at-bats uh, and relative to his production. But the other reason is, uh, you know, I, I just don't think he needs to, um, I, especially this next year. I'd like to I'd like to see him get, you know, I know I'm optimistic. I, I know maybe I'm Pollyanna, but I, you know, 120 or 130 games in center field are more important than him stealing 30 bases instead of 15. Um, I think there are going to be times when there's absolutely no um, – 
there's no risk with his speed and with the pitchers um, uh, move to the plate uh, being slow or a catcher not you know being a great thrower whatever it is he's going to be able to practically walk into into second base uh, or occasionally third base uh, and and it can be at big times and and that'll be fine I think at some point in time when he's feeling his absolute best and as you guys are talking about you know second half part of the career just getting better and better if he wants to if he go, wants to go out and have a have a 30 30 season um then okay i i think for at least for this next year uh let's play center field and hit and run around the bases when uh you've hit it or when when somebody else has hit it and and just and tone down the base stealing just a little bit yeah, I'm torn on this one because um, when he was coming up through the system, he stole a lot of bases. And I think there was one year, I think he only got thrown out once. I think it was by Kyle Schwarber in double A, you know. Um, and that's why my comp for him was always been Eric Davis because he was another guy who could uh, show some pop and steal a lot of bases. But uh, And Buxton's career high is 29 stolen bases, I believe, which was in uh, 2017. That was the last time he played 140 games he hasn't played that many games in this season i'm guessing that if he stays on the field as much as uh we think he can he's probably going to fall across 20 st- steals so um as long you know as it's not he's not endangering himself or risking anything or trying to steal bases when he's sore banged up you know i think just by being on the field and playing the game he's probably going to fall across 20 steals so i i could see him getting in that range um, but I wouldn't like give him the automatic green light to run at will. I wouldn't do that uh, right now. We we gotta see the man play a hundred games, man. We just gotta get him back in the triple digits. <laughs> we don't want to start him throwing his body around and getting into trouble with that. So um, I'm sticking with Ryder one twenty. So in the field, I've had this conversation with Puckett and Tory Hunter and Buxton over the years. Uh, it you know it's one of those outside of sports logical suppositions that you can tell somebody not to run into walls, not to dive, to take it easy in center field. The reality is you're talking about high level competitors who want to do everything they can to win the game they're playing in, who want to be great, not just good. Uh, Is there any way they should or could curb his uh, willingness to challenge walls? Now I know they haven't, they, a few years ago, they had him playing deeper, so you would run into walls at a more oblique angle, and that was a very, uh, a very logical thing to do. But can you tell a great center fielder to not go after every ball to preserve himself, Roy? <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. Uh, he already he's already made that point uh, the other day when he played, and after the game, he said, "Yeah, I could I could have died for that ball, but you know, I, I figured they would they they wouldn't be happy if I did that. You know, I let the I mean." He's already thinking about that. And uh, so, no, you're not going to be able to tone him down. I think the playing deeper is um, a, a really good idea, and I think he should he should do that. It's not, it's not only the, the angle, but it's, it's also how quickly he gets to a place where the impact with the wall won't be, you know, might not be as much full speed uh, as if he was playing shallower and had to, had, had to go back and get it. And then he can – you know he can choose. You know a, a ball off the wall or or, or stealing a home run is uh, almost always more impactful than a, a ball falling in front of you. So I, I I give up the you know the, the occasional ball falling in front of you if it's a critical situation and it feels like he's come in and dive coming straight in. 
then then okay. But I, I think the trade-off is, you know, play a little deeper, get to the ball at the wall quicker, um, and uh, and let's let's stay on the field. I'm smelling a I'm smelling a column about Buxton rules rules for Byron Buxton safety yeah. and longevity. Um, he's already did that, and I think his first spring training game in the outfield, there was a ball he could have uh, dove for, mm-hmm. and he let the ball drop, and he says, "I'm not diving in spring training." So uh, that's that's a good sign uh, there. And yeah, I believe Roy in 2022, uh, the plan was to play him deeper. So uh, he would uh, have less distance between him and the wall. So theoretically, he would not be charging into the wall at super full speed, at supersonic speed, <laughs> like he's been known to do. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see if there's going to be times where he he uh, refrains from from diving just for pr- preservation and longevity. Um, but man, when the ball's put in play, you know your instincts take over and you forget about that and. Um, you know, and that's what made Buxton a, um, uh, a terrific player. So I, you can talk about all you want, but once the ball's put in play, uh, you're supposed to just go, you don't think you just use your instincts and use your natural ability to make plays. So, um, I think that's gonna be tough for him to do. Yeah. I don't expect him to do that. Um, let's Lavelle question for you. Um, what does this do to the roster makeup, the addition of Margot and the expectation that Buxton will play in center field a lot? Uh, does this mean Austin Martin probably starts in the minors? Yeah, that's what I think. Because uh, you remember during the exit interview at the end of last season, they were ready to put Austin Martin on a roster as a backup outfielder. Yep. Um, and uh, Mar- it, it's superfluous now if he's on a roster with Margot, because when's he going to get on the field, you know? Um, you still have Kyle Farmer, which I'm still a little surprised that the Twins couldn't find someone to trade for him. Trade for him because I think he's still a starting caliber shortstop. Um, you got Farmer, who's going to back up Cray at short and play around the infield. You got Margot who can play around the outfield. You got Willie Castro who can, if, if you know, if you're in a pinch, you can go out and play the outfield and play the infield as well. They got flexibility, man. So um, uh, one, two, three. So that's three guys I mentioned as bench players, right? Because I mentioned. Uh, uh, Margot, and I mentioned uh, Farmer, Margot, and I mentioned Castro, Willie Farmer. Castro. That's three. Just want to make sure I'm not catching. running out of bodies here. Um, who's not starting at first base between Kirilov Santana, and Kirilov, Santana? Yep. Or maybe the other person would be at DH. So um, is there a spot for like a Nico Goodrin to make some noise? They've been playing him a lot this spring um, to see uh, if he could be useful. And he'd be another – he's another guy who can move around a couple positions. I'm missing someone, backup catcher. Yeah, I think uh, I have, I just thinking off the top of my head. I think they probably only have one spot on the roster, right? That's uh, that's up for grabs. I think um, uh, based on throwing the numbers together. So yeah, this this kind of makes spring training boring now. There's not going to be a big time <laughs> competition for for spots here, and I guess that's a good thing. Uh, that means your team is a good team, and it's on paper it's very solid. So um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think uh, it definitely reduces uh, spots for players who are hoping to make the big club. Yeah, I, I I think they have 12 locks for the 13 position players, and 13th could be, you know, I, my guess is 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 uh, Martin goes down, but it could be somebody who can pinch run. It could be a specialist. It could be somebody who can pinch run. It could be just a depth guy. It could be a defensive replacement. Uh, but they're, you know, good teams don't really have that many competitions in spring training. It's, they just want to stay healthy. Right. 
Exactly. All right, let's That's uh, a good let's point. get to the. Let's get to the uh, the most pressing issue of the day. I know we saved it for last here. Um, see-through oh. uniforms. How the hell could a Major ah. League Baseball get to a point where people are wearing see-through uniforms? <laughs> I would think, I wonder if the, the, the conspiracy to me thinks that maybe they did it to draw more fan attention. You know, <laughs> just uh, get more female viewers in baseball games. I don't know. Um, I Ever since the story came out, I've been... It's made me like watch games more intently just to see if there's a see-through <laughs> element to these uniforms. <laughs> it's weird, but I can't tell. I must. It must be up close where um, the whole see-through action is is more. Uh, it's easier easier to be seen. But you think with HD TV, everything's going to be uh, augmented. But no, um, I'm gonna get down to spring training. Like I said, I'm going down on Monday. I'm gonna check out these uniforms and see how bad it is. I guess there's a story out today in which uh, the league is talking about making adjustments uh, to the uniforms. So I don't know what they can do, but uh, yeah, if, the, if, you, if you guys see, see through uniforms in a lot of other sports, that's not a good thing. So I would say it's probably not good for baseball either. It's just amazing. I mean, baseball is a billion dollar entity with billion dollar franchises. And I just don't know how this gets past anybody. I, I just don't get it. It kind of reminds I mean, I've been covering, you know, when I started covering sports, you too, Lavelle, um, there were a lot of mom and pop operations and it felt like everything was just yep. kind of, you know, run out of a back room someplace. You would think in modern sports with all the money and all the uh, employees available and the, st- the size of the staff, they would not end up with something like this unless in, for some stupid reason it was intentional. Right, right. And that's, and baseball is always conspiracy theories are great for the game, especially in baseball. Is the ball juiced? Uh, is it, has it been softened because the twins hit 307 homers one year? Uh, <laughs> are the fences really as long as they claim they are? And now it's the uniforms. What can you see <laughs> when you're looking at a player and players, uh, uh, uniform pants, you know, um, you, you would and like agreed. You would think someone would catch this. Um, I'm sure they had models that they were looking at. They should have, the models could have said something too. I don't know if it's for it to get this far down the road. Um, it's a, should, this should be embarrassing to baseball that they're at this point, man. Uh, but um, well, they got time to make adjustments. I'm more upset about the fact that the uniforms look cheaper than the old ones. Um, the I know. lettering, the highlighting. I'm not. I'm not fans of some of these. You know, they look like spring training. They look like warm up jerseys. To be honest with you. Yeah. They don't look like real jerseys. So um, that's a. Big gripe with me is that um, um, these sweet these sweet ass uniforms should uh, should be should be looking better than they are, man. So uh, let's get it together here. <laughs> the best uniforms are the cleanest looking uniforms. I don't want to see gold trim. I don't want to see like that fake, you know, shadow shadow technique. I don't want to see uh, like like the wolves last night. There were their kind of their those kind of dripped blue. Light blue, you know, look like something a tourist would wear on vacation. And you know what? They look good. I don't mind they, those. They look good. Yeah, I don't mind and those. And see, I like those. I like them. And the NBA can play around with that because the NBA is supposed to be kind of modern and hip and aiming for the young market. And and th- those athletes look good in those. And the Timberwolves don't have a, a tradition that they have to protect. But you know, if you're no. the Twins, if you're any, if you're any reasonably experienced franchise. You should go for the clean look. You should look like the Dodgers, like the Red Sox, like the Yankees. Right. 
Right, exactly. And I'll take this moment now since we're talking about uniforms to uh, stress how much I dislike the Minnesota Wilds uniforms. I think it's one of the worst uniforms of all sports. They're horrible. Uh, I don't know. The color scheme either is either baby poop or baby vomit. I'm not sure which one. Um, the best uniform be is when they – Yeah, you're right. Uh, the best uniform they have is when they go back to North Star's colors. Uh, right. To be honest with you, um, I, I can't believe they've there's been not there hasn't been an attempt to juice up the logo or the color scheme or just get new uniforms. Just a whole new scheme, man. I'm just not a fan. I never have been a fan. I don't like wild. Well, you know, I hate it, it, nobody knows what a wild is. So uh, I don't like the the name. I don't like the color schemes. Uh, I don't like the uniforms and, uh, doesn't really matter. We're not going to have to watch them in the playoffs anyway. Good point. <laughs> That's a good point, man. Good yeah, stuff from fine. Lavelle. Thank you. Oh, go ahead, Lavelle. I was going to say Vikings fine. I love the purple because it's, you don't yeah. see a lot of purple uniforms in sports. So I'm cool with that. Um, the Loons uniforms are fine. They, they, yeah. they should be, they should be allowed to go baby blue, but the league already has two other teams that wear as baby blue. So I get that. Um, well, this major sport am I missing? Baseball, football, hockey. Yeah, I guess that's all, all the major ones. Lengths are fine. You know, just the wild. The wild is the one I had, just have issues with. The wild. And I'm not a big fan of maroon, but you can't do anything that with that tradition in college in the college sports realm. But, yeah, the, the wild are the only ones where I would just say just blow it up and start over. Right. Uh, well, if you want to talk about gopher uniforms, I, I, I'm not a fan of PJ uh, going to the all-black gopher uniforms but I, there's never been black and gopher uniforms until he got to school you know but I, i've been told he's got a budget just based on uniforms that he can like spend seven figures like a year for just to come up with different schemes man so um just run with the maroon run with the gold hold the black i could not agree more hey thanks to lavelle thanks to roy thanks to our producer brandon morton thank you all for listening again check out shepherd goods and lamb chops clothing line promo code j-o-n-k-20 john john k-20 check out defined destinations uh keep in mind that uh we are coming to you from the aquarius home services studio and we appreciate home service uh aquarius home services and we'll talk to you next week